Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, way different law lives, <laughs> different jobs, uh, but a whole lot of love alcohol. for science. <laughs> no, it's not even the alcohol, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am PS McKay, fresh from the happiest place on earth. But if you asked my feet, they would say it was hell on earth. Yeah, I've been there, man. <laughs> And you are? Well, I'm DT Cavman, and uh, I find you bizarrely hilarious some days, my friend. I know. I know. Right now, I'm rightly exhausted. We just got back from Los Angeles about 45 minutes ago after being in uh, Disneyland for the last three and a half days. Well, that's cool. It was good. You know, we got to not only got we went to Disneyland, but we also went to California Adventure where we saw the new Avengers campus that they have open. Nice. Which is really neat. Um, they have the full uh, audio animatronic of Spider-Man flying through the air and doing a flip and stuff. Sweet. It's really cool. Um, and then they had live shows with characters dressed up as Marvel characters and Black Widow and Black Panther beat back Taskmaster from stealing a vibranium from uh, Avengers headquarters. Um, yeah, and there was a Doctor Strange show we missed because there was a really long line. There was just no way we were going to be able to meet it. So, But it was good. We had a fun time. The kids had fun and, you know, tears were that they wanted to stay. So that means it was a good job. <laughs> Outstanding, my friend. How was how was your time? How was your weekend? Um, productive. Nothing exciting. Um, closest thing I got was uh, seeing my folks a little bit yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, finished putting together my patio set, and now I have I was a. Gonna I, ask. It actually, you know, I did all the chairs uh, last weekend or the weekend before, and then last weekend I was gearing up for a real long pain in the ass time, and you know, <laughs> it it really wasn't that hard to put the table together. The only problem was it's so bulky and unwieldy that I needed somebody to help me carry. Yeah, interesting. Cause it, does it have a glass top? No, uh, but it does have a lazy susan built in the middle. Oh, nice. Yeah, I thought so. And the best part about my my porch is by like three in the afternoon, the house has got it all in the shade. It's all in the shade. So. Oh, okay. So you are facing like eastward ish. The house is facing. You, the like back the front, of the house the, is the, facing. The front, yeah, the front door is facing like west. So gotcha. Like when the sun sets, it's like. Going in the front rooms, but in the backyard, yeah, it's nice. That's very nice. Oh, that's a good. That's a good break right there. It is. You want to hear what I was listening to while I was putting together the table? Uh, one of the episodes where I screwed up. No, I was not listening to any of our <laughs> podcast. Although I did just download the Deep Space Nine ones, and they're queued up for a uh, re-listen here in a little bit. Folks, uh, you know, I like to listen to our podcasts to, you know, 
figure out things that we can improve. Occasionally we say, hey, we should do an episode <laughs> about this and then promptly forget about it. So yeah. this has allowed me to go back and revisit some of these categories that we said that we would get back to. Or uh, occasionally tangents that we go off that might make good episodes. So I try finding some of them to it's kind of data mining and taking some notes about you know what I can do to improve or sustain things that are going well <laughs> and things that aren't. So, uh, but you are our best critic, by the way. So, <laughs> well, let me tell you, I found something, and I just kind of, I had, I got a little Star Wars bug in the back of my mind, and. I decided to download an audiobook. First time I've ever downloaded an audiobook to listen. I've done that once. It worked out pretty well. I am engrossed. Can you guess what Star Wars audiobook I downloaded to listen to? Uh, is it Ahsoka? No, although that might be one to do because. Uh, Give, okay. Give me another chance. Um. One of the Aftermath trilogy books. No. You see, you're going too far forward. Okay, all right. Oh, Heir to the Empire. Heir to the Empire. Ah! Maybe the greatest <laughs> Star the, Wars novel you. ever written. <laughs> thank you for the, the tip. That was awesome. <laughs> well, I, and I'll say this. The Heir to the Empire, um, Dark Force Rising, and Last Command... The whole Thrawn trilogy, easily the best Star Wars novels I've ever read. And mm -hmm. I used to read all the, 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 what is now called Legends, but the old expanded universe. In fact, yeah. I'm not entirely sure I've read anything from the uh, new Disney canon. Nope, I haven't read anything from the new Disney canon. Hell, well, even it starts in Aftermath, doesn't it? Yeah, but some of the new Disney canon is even getting squashed by new ideas that show up on the TV shows and, and whatnot. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that, that's true. So how, how is it? How, how's the experience of listening to the audio book? Well, you brought it up. <laughs> so, you know, I went online and I found that there was two versions. There was like an $8 version. I'm like, oh, okay. And it had... It was supposed, I think it was read by Dennis Lawson, who plays Wedge, which would have been interesting because he actually has a thick Scottish accent, which they dubbed over in the original trilogy. <laughs> but I found an unabridged version from the whatever 20th anniversary that was twice as much. But it's excellent. Whoever the, the narrator, I don't even know who he is. He does a very good job, and I'm pretty sure he's an adept. He must be like a voice actor or something, because he's he does. I'm pretty sure it's him doing all the different voices. He actually does a very good Han Solo. <laughs> There's only a few people that can really do Han Solo as Han Solo. Uh, yeah, uh, I really should look this guy up. He's it's quite good. Interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, um, who is it read by? Read by Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson. The twentieth anniversary. Maybe I'd have to look him up, but I promise you, it is excellent. Okay. Just starting off with the fact that *Heir of the Empire* was an outstanding piece of fiction, for starters, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's what really. And granted, I had started reading one of the other later Star Wars books, but they made so many references to Thrawn and everything that I had to go back and read it because those were really the first books that got everything kicked off. That's really Mm -hmm. what kicked off the old EU when they all started. They were officially licensed by Lucasfilm, and then all of these various series kind of started spinning off. They went and did the prequel, The Courtship of Princess Leia, which was set a year before this, where it was basically how Leia and Han get together. That's the book that brings out The Witches of Dathomir, yeah, that's right. That's right. And one of them is <laughs> presumed that the the witch in um, the sequel to uh, the Ewok adventure was it, um, you know, the one that came out on 1985 or 1986 on TV. Yeah, the, the, there's the Ewok adventure, Caravan of Courage, and then there's the Battle of yeah, Battle for Endor. And the Battle for Endor had, like, one of the witches of uh, of Dathomir there, presumably. I, I think it's been retconned. That it was. was. But, of course, yeah. that's all legends now, too, those movies. But um, Better not. I mean, it shouldn't be. They should bring back... God, I bet both of those characters are dead now. Or those, those actors are dead now. Well, I think Wilford Brimley was one of... Was in the second one. He was, yeah. I'm thinking of Cinder, Cinda, and uh, the kids, the, her well, brother were, Jacob, or something. Or they were. I mean, she was in probably. They were probably not much older than we are, to be honest with no, you. I gotta, no, they weren't. That's the thing. But, but you know, what is? But and I'm not saying that he was a, a screen legend by any means, but a very well-known character actor. By the way, Wilford Brimley got hired on as a ranch hand in movies um, because he he was basically like a stunt rider and stuff. He was a cowboy. And he started making his way up through the movies by being like a, a horse handler and stuff in westerns. He actually is a was an accomplished uh, western singer too, and you know had some. Some big roles in some movies like The Natural and I want to say Cocoon and a few other things. Um, and of course, he was the Quaker Oats guy and the Diabetes guy. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Wilfred Brimley was 50. No, I think he was like 45 when he was in Cocoon. I know. He just looked older. <laughs> he looked eighty. Mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they added makeup to him. <laughs> just like, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's our age. Oh God. Who? 
Wilford Brimley, he was practically our age when he was in Cocoon. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, so <laughs> kind of a random guy to show up in Star Wars. And one of the things that got me thinking of, and because occasionally you will see a, a true screen legend from TV or movies who will just have that like one sci-fi movie or one guest role on say his favorite science fiction show or something. Yeah. Mm. Like on a, okay. So what are the rules here? We're talking like mainstream sci-fi show. Yeah. Or fantasy show or movie. Don't forget movies. Now, you know, but there's a cutoff here, I think. It with doesn't the have to be mainstream either, because you look at some of these people's body of work and you're like, yeah, this person wouldn't do that. And then all of a sudden there's the blip on the radar, you know, <laughs> where it's like, oh, well, I guess so. But now it's okay to be in a sci fi slash fantasy movie, but it wasn't okay before 2000. Well, there would be the occasional ones, right? Like some that would cross genres. And, okay, here's one. Let me just start off with one of the big ones, okay? Okay. Marlon Brando in... Superman? Superman, playing Jor-El, his father. That was where the vast majority of the budget went, by the way. Exactly. He, I think he may. I think he's he's in the Guinness Book of World Records or something for like the highest percentage of the budget per actor or something like that. It was ridiculous. Oh, man, All right, I got to look up how much he made for Superman. I I can look it up. You keep going. That's a good one though, because they would have. They only hired him because. He brought a gravitas and a, and a seriousness to the superhero movie. Right, which if you think about it, that's one of the reasons why you see nowadays them, you know, you see somebody brought in to, oh, well, it's a nice dovetail. Why do you think George Lucas brought in Alec Guinness? He brought what he brought a gravitas and a seriousness. Credibility than yeah. serious Oscar winning actors. Now, granted, at that point in his career, Brando was kind of going through was kind of in a career lull a little bit. Between yeah. well, I mean, he had gotten huge with The Godfather, but he was also supposedly notoriously difficult to work with and kind of nuts. And so Yeah. I remember when uh was it the score was made and Frank Oz was talking about dealing with Brando and Robert De Niro. And I honestly, I think the only person that could have dealt with it was Frank Oz because he's, he's like up there with them in Hollywood legendary. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he, I heard to get Robert De Niro to do what he wanted. He had to talk like Miss Piggy. Uh, and Fozzie Bear for Brando. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, no, or... but that would have been a great Hollywood legend, wouldn't it? That could have easily passed. It could have easily... Frank Oz directs all movies voicing Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Stand over there, you will. That's good. 
That's a good. That's a good Yoda. Look at you. Do size matters not? Look at me. Size matters not. Mm. Look me. You look at size matters not. You're 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 pushing it too heavy. All right, do it. Dance, monkey, do it. <laughs> Come on, we all want to hear it. Skywalker, missed you. I have. <laughs> there we go. There it is. So <laughs> <laughs> so fun in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> that whole scene was like the best scene in all of the movie. Wait, was it Rise of Skywalker? No, or no it, was, it was the Last uh, Jedi. Last Jedi. That was that the was best. The best scene. That was the whole best scene. I mean, that was the only best scene ever in that show, in that movie. Back um, in original puppet form, too. Yeah, exactly. So Marlon Brandau pocketed three point seven million for two weeks of work on uh, Superman. Hmm. Which now I got to look up the budget for Superman because. Let's see, Superman, 1978, and that budget was, oh, dang, really? What? All right, so 1978, remember this, the budget for Superman was $55 million. That is huge. Maybe that was for two movies, right? Didn't he film them back-to-back? They were supposedly filming back-to-back, but... Hold on. But when you think about it, we going back to the get of Brando, right? Right. We, wacko as he is, and even in his limited screen time, he got, he brought a true gravitas. And this from a guy who was notoriously, could get notoriously lazy on scene, would actually have to either have like a, a head, have an earpiece, or have like cue cards. Mm-hmm. And he did bring a gravitas. And now at Guinness in Star Wars, in the very first in A New Hope, freely admitted he took it from the paycheck. He never quite got it. But he brought a, a quiet... He still was professional. ...power to it. And apparently yeah. gave, gave, like, I guess Mark Hamill, like, tried to take lessons from him. You know, just oh, kind of well, watched. wouldn't you... If you ever saw him in Bridge on the River Kwai, phenomenal performance. That's what Uh, wants his Oscar. It's a tough movie, too, but he was tremendous. And, and I know Luke has put him up for it, but he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the original Star Wars. Huh. Well, I like that idea. I like that. And and I, I know that like there was rumors or a Hollywood lore that uh, Alec Guinness just said, I need you to get me out of here. Kill me off or something. But according to Mark Hamill, that is not at all the truth. Like he oh. was very professional. He's he basically set the stage for the production be like, <laughs> to take this seriously because this is a serious project, mm-hmm. you know, and he I mean, think about that for a second. Alec Guinness telling the crew for this big sci fi spectacle that, you know, is based off of these serials from Flash Gordon in the 30s. Take this seriously. This is this is an this is a powerful film. 
Yes. I, that, that's important. That's special. You know. All I'm saying. I agree. So. There you go. Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, okay, so speaking of that, the I'm pulling up my list right here. When you talk about somebody coming in, when you, when you were talking about bringing gravitas to Star Wars, who was a pretty big name get that they got? In the prequels, who was not who's not really been known for science fiction and such. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Most of his stuff is pretty gritty, realistic kind of stuff. Okay, you're gonna have to walk me through this because Liam Neeson, I was introduced to through the Phantom Menace. I didn't know Liam Neeson beforehand. Schindler's List. Nope, never saw it. Well, I, and, I mean, and being the adult that I am with children that I now have, I don't ever want to see Schindler's List because I will not make it through it. Uh, I will well, be Schindler's a blubbering mess. Is a very hard watch. Oh, okay. I, will, I will be a mess. Movie. A tremendous just, movie. But it's a very hard watch. And I it guess, is. I guess. It was really fucking up Spielberg when they were making it. And apparently Robin Williams used to call him regularly and just break him up. Which kind of helped him get him up. Just crack him up doing Robin Williams. I love Robin Williams. He's so good. He's so he's such a good soul. Gosh. You know, when you look down at some of these uh, actors and actresses who we'll kind of discuss. A lot of them, you know, you're, some of them are classical, trained, Broadway, uh, Academy Award winners, uh, just icons of, you know, the, the silver screen and even on television. I mean, but every now and then, a script comes along that just hooks somebody. I mean, you talked about them getting Edward James almost to do Battlestar because they didn't give him the cover sheet. Oh my God, he's a perfect example of this. You're absolutely right. He got the script that didn't have the title Battlestar Galactica on it. Mm -hmm. And he sat there going, this is really good. I want to be a part of this. And then he found out it was Battlestar Galactica. And he's like, well... I still want to be a part of it. He deserves to be on this list, by the way. It's not a one-off, but... No, but I wouldn't exactly call... He became, I think, a bit of a TV icon because of Battlestar. What I'm talking about is things prior to it. All right, all right, all right. uh, Okay, I'm with you on that. That's fine. No knock on him. That's why Patrick Stewart isn't on this list. Or Avery Brooks, you know, probably two of the best actors to be in, you know, to be main characters in Star Trek. Which is why we only have two scenes with them. 
ever. And we're never going to have two scenes with them ever again. Anymore and the ship would have exploded. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> those two scenes were so powerful. And no one else was in those rooms. It was just the two of them. So, and it could only be that way. Here's something. And I did some deep dives on some big name actors to see if there was anything I had seen. In, in. But here's one. Okay, well. Staying with Star Trek. Yep. Somebody who we just recently lost as well, mind you. Uh, but the main villain of Star Trek VI, the Christopher late Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Oh, my gosh. Many people will have known from things like, uh, oh, uh, Sound of Music. Cry havoc and let the dog let loose the dogs of war. <laughs> I messed up the line as I spun my chair, but that's what he did. He might have had one of the best scenery chewing performances in all of the Star Trek. <laughs> he reveled in the performance. Oh, he, he did. And the fact that he like he, you know you don't think about. Um, Shatner being a, actually a Shakespearean actor, but they got their, they both of them got their start in like the Canadian Shakespeare. They did the, the, like the traveling, the traveling Shakespeare company or something like that. Yeah. Yes, which is you don't think Royal that Canadian Shakespeare company or something like that. Yeah, I mean, which you don't see. Which, by the way, that was an interesting side quest in the uh, the captains. Uh, oh, I need to rewatch that. He did yeah. have a, a, a he did talk with Christopher Plummer because they've been friends for years, and that was. But and if you just watch Christopher Plummer's all the way up to his death, I mean, he was one of those guys who was having a career resurgence. Mm-hmm. Now he he had been. Uh, I mean, his performance in Knives Out was fantastic. You know, I love Christopher seen Plummer. It. Oh, you've got to watch Knives Out. I man. know. It's on it Amazon. It is a great movie. That's one that my darling bride, who's not a huge movie fan, is like, this looks really good. Your, your, go your bride, it. that's our unnamed producer? Our bride, who was probably produced... Probably came up with 10... A good 10, 10 or dollars. 15. <laughs> with some input from my daughter... But, yes, that's true. That's true. But my well, you need to give them names. You need to give them names so we can put them on the the producer credit if list. If they want to do it, they can come up with their own. Names. <laughs> I am not making any assumption. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a movie that she thoroughly enjoyed from start to end. Great performances. Um. So yes, but Christopher Plummer. Was one of the reasons why I wanted to go see that movie. I'm like, oh, Christopher Plummer's in this. He's awesome. Yeah. And somebody who has been just a face in Hollywood for years, but also has had some big roles. I mean, and I'm going to go ahead and dovetail. Do it. His co-star in The Sound of Music is... Julie Andrews? The legendary Julie Andrews. And can you name the 
movie she was in that would fit her into this category? Oh my god. It blew my fucking mind when I found out. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, I'm thinking. Only a voice. I'm thinking. Oh my gosh. I was it pre surgery botch or post surgery botch? It was like last five years, dude. Oh. No, you're gonna have to tell me. Aquaman. Ah, I never saw it. Oh, was she a voice? voice, She's the voice of an ancient sea creature. Oh, man. Aquaman had a really solid cast. Go ahead and push Amber Heard out (laughs) for a second. And while her acting was pretty good in the movie, take her Uh, out of the equation. Jason Momoa. Mostly Momoa-ish in most of his roles, but good. But then his dad I fell in love co- with Jason Momoa in, in Stargate Atlantis, so I'm a fan. Aquaman had his parents were Tamora Morrison and Nicole Kidman, yep. a Kiwi and an Aussie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure how you, we could make Tamora Morrison a native of Maine, but we'll go with it. Yup. Uh, I mean, you have uh, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Jeez Wilson. Louis. This is all in Aquaman? Yeah, man. Really? And they had voice just, cameos from uh, Julie Andrews and John Rhys-Davies. John Rhys-Davies? Yes. I just wrote, I just rode the Indiana Jones ride two days ago. That was, I was... Pummeled with the video of, of John Reese Davies explaining to us how that ride was going to go. By the way, the two least success, the, the, the two worst movies in the franchise are movies without John Reese Davies. You are it's, absolutely correct. Just saying. Actually, just saying. yes. John Reese Davies makes everything better. He does. He was Except the Shannara Chronicles. He was great as Gimli. He was fantastic. He was no, he was not great. He was legendary. He was. And <laughs> to make and he's a tall guy too. He's like he's he's well over six feet tall. He is. He's to, a tall man. All these hobbit made, actors. They made him diminutive. <laughs> but how did that blow your mind right there? Julie That was Andrew, good. Easily a, a screen legend. Man. Movies, the Sound of Music. That's good. That's good. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's good. I this is good work from you, dude. Well, I did a little I did a little jumping in. Now this I'm going to throw this out there because I feel it is deserved. But you, you may have cause for disagreement, but an EGOT winner hmm. Mel Brooks Spaceballs No, why would I disagree with that? Thank oh you. my god No, no, I would not disagree That's the only sci-fi thing that he's ever been in 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, some of Get Smart got a little sci-fi, but most of the no, rest of his not stuff. Not enough. Is... Not enough. And of course, granted, the breadth of his career has been spoofs, but this one was epic. Spaceball. We're the spaceballs. <laughs> Which features a very early appearance from future Star Trek cast member Tim Russ as We Ain't Found Shit Guy. That's him? That is That's him. Tim Russ? That is Tim Russ. Tubok oh <laughs> is the We Ain't Found Shit Guy in Spaceballs. You're kidding me? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just when you thought Tim Russ's legend couldn't get me, they're, they, they're combing the desert. And you, think, he you think we're being too literal? Oh, no, you idiot! He said, "Comb the desert." <laughs> Russ appeared, made a brief appearance in the comedy movie Spaceballs as the trooper who shouts, "We ain't found shit!" while combing the desert with an afro comb. They do a close-up on him. He pulls up the he pulls up his visor and he's all angry. And he Oh my goodness. That's yes. so great. Yes, of <laughs> course. <laughs> oh. Thank you for bringing that one up. That's good. <laughs> that I mean, that's not part of what we're talking about, but uh Spaceballs, though. Yeah. Sci-fi comedy classic. Yeah. And there were not many of those beforehand. Actually, there were none. I mean, there were sci-fi show movies to laugh at, but not laugh from. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if there was real sci, tons of sci-fi comedy. There might have been comedies with touches of sci-fi, kind of like Short Circuit. Yeah, that was good. But, like, full-on space opera comedies, like, I mean, you had that, you had Spaceballs, and you had Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was it. Ah! And then... Galaxy Quest, and she doesn't count because she's an alien, but yeah. you gotta give the sci-fi cred to Sigourney Weaver. What about Alan Rickman? Was he in sci-fi beforehand? Well, he was in Harry Potter, so... He was not in Harry Potter before that. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to kind of include it as a as a loose honorable mention. Mm, I mean, all of all every single actor in Harry Potter is an A-list actor. So outside of the three kids, I mean. Oh, yeah, so, there's a ton of. Yeah, I mean, you had Jason Isaacs. You had the two Dumbledores. The first one who. Richard Harris but, was just a, was another screen legend. Yeah, it was, and he, didn't he make fun of Ian McKellen for doing um, Gandalf or something? Wouldn't have been surprising, because he was a snarky SOB. Yeah, and but, I mean, Richard Harris was, he didn't have a lot of time on the clock when he was first cast. <laughs> oh, what did he do, two movies? He did the first two, but he was so... <gasps> But if like you watched he, any of his stuff, that was basically his career. Uh, well, I I haven't. And if I have, I'm not aware of it. So, no, but yeah, you're right. Harry Potter was, I mean, it, 
Harry Potter got the kind of casting that you thought maybe Lord of the Rings would have got. Being a much no, but that's how they were able to keep the budget down with Lord of the Rings. Hire yeah, a lot well, of look, unknowns. Look at how huge many of them got after that. Yeah. Well, Carl Urban. Carl Urban uh, is a sci-fi legend right now. I love well, I Carl mean, Urban. Carl Urban was a sci-fi legend with Xena. He played Caesar. <laughs> we talked about this. Yes, I know. But He's been in some pretty out there shit, too. Yeah, well, the boys. I mean, that's the most out there crap that you can find. So, what was it? Almost Human, the TV show we had where he was a cop in like the late 21st century who's partnered with an android. It's actually pretty good. I enjoyed the shit. Really? Yeah. But didn't he play didn't he play the, the, the Robocop reboot? No. Judge Dredd. He was Dredd. Oh, he was Dredd. That's right. Refused to take Thank his helmet off to battle Cersei Lannister. <laughs> was she she was in Judge Dredd? The, the of course reboot? he he was great as McCoy in the, the reboot um Well he he embodied McCoy. He resurrected the spirit of McCoy who just took over. Yeah. So, but yeah. The wife took everything in the divorce. All I have yeah. left is my bones. All I have left is my bones. Okay, so I got one. Bring it. Obviously, I'm not I'm not contributing a lot because I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, But this is fun. This is a fun discussion. Joe Piscopo. <laughs> he's not a legend by any stretch of the means. He's a comedy legend. No, he's not. More or less. No. No. Come on. Uh, but it was a good. It was a good appearance. It was a good appearance. Okay, fine. Um, I don't. I don't have any others. You. You've got a few written down. More. Oh, right? I do. Here's one that's going to be a deep poll. I have a couple that are some deep polls. All right. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Widely mm. considered to be one of the greatest actors of the 20th century. Ever. Forever. Yeah, sure. He was posthumously put into a movie 13 years after his death. The sci-fi, sci the, the the sci-fi serial sky captain in the world of tomorrow, starring no way. I I looked on research like how they got the ability to have his like. He, was he the doctor that he died? was the doctor who they were looking for? Or who was like who was the like one that had died and was yes. propped up? Yeah. Oh, gross! Oh, that's great. Really, that was Lawrence Olivier. All the um, all of the footage that when they would watch like the whatever video recordings or whatever they want to call them in the you know Art Deco 1930s, um, all of those were of, of, of Olivier. I'm not sure how they got permission to do this. Well, I, from the I estate, will, really. I mean, must but. be, but it's like, how do you, yeah. 
The guy had been dead for over a decade. Yet, he, and, and I looked at it and it's like, this dude had no, nothing else remotely close to this in his, in his filmography. I got to look this up now. Because I remember watching Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. And I freaking enjoyed it. No, it was it was fun. That was a really good. Yeah, that was a fun movie. Oh, it's on stars. I don't have stars. Mm. It was bullcrap. But I was I like, can't get that was one of the ones good. that it just popped in. It's like that was so out there. How long had he been dead? I was like, yeah. That was a very weird twist, right? It was yes. all mechanic. It was just robots at that point, just replicating and keep going and using his likeness to to take over the world or something. Something like that, yeah. Like it was a post World War One, pre World War Two, sh- uh, you know, world that where World War Two never happened. Is that uh, what it was? It was like Tailspin. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It was, that, this, that these period. were all of these serials from like the 30s that were kind of futuristic, but kind of not. Right, where World War One happened, and we had this big technological leap, but World War Two didn't happen. So we're kind of like in that weird, like, yeah. we have airships, you know, almost steampunk, but not. Yeah, there's another term for it. I think it's diesel punk. Diesel punk. Oh yeah. Ooh. So and I just I learned that while looking. If I had a choice between uh, steampunk and diesel punk, I'd be diesel punk. Well, I mean, it was an interesting poll. That was one, <laughs> and I remember I went to see that in a theater too. Did you? I did. You were you were the one. Me and actually, I think I conned a few friends of mine. <laughs> I think there were a couple of girls who's like Jude Law. Okay. And yeah. Like, Ooh, Angelina Jolie. Sure. I I wanted to, but that was like, I I had graduated from college, and then a week later I started working, and then things got weird. Like, you know how it is when you transition from one thing to another. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, but I still went to movies when I was in the army, so mm. that was an interesting one. Uh, I found that to be a very fascinating. Um, but here's a couple I saw and I enjoyed. Not some of these actors' biggest movies, but Tom Hanks in Cloud Atlas. That was a strange movie. I avoided Cloud Atlas because I heard that none of it made sense. And there was what? no reason for it to make. There were to be times made at all. a lot of them didn't make sense. Although some of the some of the vignettes in different points in time were interesting, especially when you have different, you know, some of the, all this like most of the same actors, like just playing different parts and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks ends up in the post-apocalyptic future hmm 
Um, it was Has it was he been in sci-fi. My God, you would think he'd been in sci-fi by now at this point. He's done. He's been stuck in the past. Well, yeah, the closest thing to he was in Apollo thirteen, I guess. That was <laughs> in the past. That was still thirty years in the past. Twenty-five years in the past from that point. My God. Um, not really, though. I mean, I've looked at his stuff. There's really not a lot he's that I could. Um, That's oh, what was he just did that new movie with the robots or something, right? And then, like the Lone Survivor, it was like an Amazon, not an Amazon, an Apple TV or something. No, I thought that was Colin Hanks. Nope. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Uh, no, I can't. I can't find it. Um. Okay. Well, I'll give you Cloud Atlas I mean, or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'll give Thanks. you Cloud Atlas. All right. Can I give you an honorable mention? Of course. This is an honorable mention. It doesn't meet the um, the the actual definition of what you were thinking. Okay. But. And I'll, I'll explain why as soon as it'll it'll be explained as soon as I say it. Robin Williams. Mark and Mindy. Well, yes, that's what disqualifies him. Right. But he was in a movie called Being Human. Oh, I remember that one. It was very good. It was fantastic. It takes place over four separate eras in human evolution. It tells one singular story. Well, he's the android, right? No, 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 no. That's something different completely. Oh, that's no, Centennial human, Man. That's Centennial Man. Being human takes place in the caveman days where he's a family. He's the father and he has a wife and two children. But then marauders come and steal his wife and two children. And then he's out there on his own and like the... Uh, medieval times where he's like trying to be a merchant, trying to make money and stuff mm. on his own. And then in the uh, another age where he's like beginning to build himself up. And then in the 90s, he's trying to reconnect with his children at the same age of, I mean, the same kids played his kids in the caveman age, right? And his ex-wife played the same woman in the K-Man age. And they're trying to reconnect. And he's trying to reconnect with the kids after dealing with him. Trying to get back together with all it. It's a touching story. It's very good. It's well done. It's well, sad. I, I mean, he's definitely had some that have crossed those lines. I mean, he's done some fantasy stuff. Oh, yeah, Peter Pan. Yeah. What was it, Hook? It was Hook. What Dreams Which, May I'm Come. Was made. Oh, yeah, What Dreams May Come. All right, never mind. I mean, it's an honorable mention, which, again, doesn't count, so. Well, he's Mork, so. He's Mork. Oh, well, I was, thinking, I was thinking Hook is, like, fantasy. Mork disqualified him for the sci-fi thing. And I, Cloud Atlas brought me to that conclusion for being human, but that's fine. You're well, right. Here's one. I uh, I like this movie. It's 
It's called Final Countdown. Ooh! Yes! Starring Kirk Douglas. Yes! Who, like, just recently died at whatever, 106. 100 and something, yes. I watched that probably seven years ago, really late on my iPad. You would have loved it <laughs> during your days of reading the alternate history, too. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That would have been something good to watch in your turtle dove phase. Well, I did. I watched it during that phase in high school. It was on TV with commercials and stuff. Yeah. And by the way, the broadcast version, not nearly as good as the original version. Of course not. You have Kurt Douglas. So the premise of this movie is the USS Nimitz in 1980 gets sent through some sort of weird storm vortex. The Nimitz, brought... which is still in service now. Yes. And our flagship, right? Well, it was obviously the first of the Nimitz-class carriers. Um, okay. I'm just but, making a point. But I apologize. For it was a brand new ship at the time, right? And yes. It gets sucked through this time vortex and shows up, you know. Uh, and of course, it was part of the Pacific fleet, so it left Pearl Harbor. And then it comes, it ends up in like the first week of December of 1941. And there's a big debate as to whether or not they should interfere because they figure. Their, their attack, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, 19, the, the fighters of the planes. 1980s would, you know, wipe the floor with the Japanese Navy and prevent the horrific loss of life. The entire, that one, that one aircraft carrier could have wiped out the entire Japanese fleet. Honestly. Yeah. It really could have. Of course it could. So there's this huge debate and back and forth, but it it's technically a sci-fi movie because it, it really is because it's time travel. It's almost like a Star Trek episode, you know. Do we <laughs> alter the timeline? And they get close. I mean, they they save some people. Yep. Oh, and the they senator. actually do dogfighting with some with with some zeros. Who attacked them, you know, so because I yeah. think they thought they were attacked and I think they uh, they thought that they were like, I don't know, like reenactors from Pearl. And they're like, no, that's real fucking bullets. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but that was that's an interesting movie. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Gosh, that was what for uh, he died recently, so he would have been in the 60s or. Probably. Early six. Jeez Louise. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a good movie too. It was very decent, yeah. It had a fun ending too. A very happy fun ending. Well, yeah, it had a very sci-fi kind of twist ending. Yeah. So here's another one. That I thought you said you just had a few. This is <laughs> you're carrying us along, which I appreciate. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I can. Uh, I was thinking of who were some of the top actors, you know, like the the legends of today. And I looked at Denzel, and he really doesn't have much in the way of sci-fi except for virtuosity, where he like 
has to battle like a digital bad guy played by Russell Crowe. He's a Star Trek fan. He is. And again, I would love for him to be in a Star Trek movie. I say that time and time again. Here's one. Yeah. Glenn Close, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Yes. Right there with you. In I mean, fact, I delighted that she was there. Me too. I mean, but if you look at the MCU, just look at all the screen legends that showed up in the MCU. Robert Redford. He came out of retirement for Endgame. I know, which was great. <laughs> and Alex, I, I, one of the reasons why I, I like Winter Soldier so much is that it's still good. The story is good. Oh, it's a rewatchable great. movie, and Robert Redford is a great villain. Mm-hmm. Because he's like a 21st century non-supervillain kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, I mean, uh, he still is a supervillain because he's the head of Hydra and they have the Winter Soldier and all this shit. Yeah. Still. He's like, oh, Lupita, why did you have to come back? Right. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, Robert Redford. Um... Oh, yeah, Glenn Anthony Close. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Yes. Sir Anthony Hopkins as Odin. No, uh, you, you almost get lost in it with um, Hannibal Lecter because that's so out there. Yeah, but that could really happen ish. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he was great, Odin. Yeah, and especially in in Ragnarok, he's sitting there going, "Boys, sit down. Look at this." <laughs> and that that beautiful moment where we say goodbye to Odin. Are you Thor, god of hammers? Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good point. It is. By the way, the new Thor uh, trailer came out. Did you see I, it? I was watching the Celtics game, and it was came on. I'm like, oh the shit! The whole thing, the full two minutes. Yeah, dude, that was baller. Uh, it was shit. great, wasn't it? Yeah. Again, not a fan of Jane, but she looks good in this. I mean, I mean, she sounds like she holds her own with the, the few of the bits that we've seen. So, I mean, this is a stacked cast. It is. And you it it, it's got Taika Waititi written all over it. <laughs> but you've got Well, look yeah. look look at the big names that you have. Russell Crowe. Yep. Russell Crowe, by the way, we Christian didn't Bale. We, didn't, we didn't see until today. <laughs> we knew. I mean, it, it's it's been known, but you didn't really see much of him. You just saw like from the back, and then you're like, yeah. Was he you playing got... Hercules? Zeus or Zeus? Police. Yeah, I believe it's Zeus. So, okay. I mean, hell, when you look at who played, when, if you watched the in in Ragnarok when they had the fucking play of Loki. And it's Matt Damon, <laughs> Matt Luke Damon. Hemsworth, and Sam Neill. Yeah. That was good. That yeah. was good. I I mean, when you... They have some big pulls in, in the MCU. Well, they've earned it. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this. DC, when you have Jeremy Irons willing to play... Uh, Alfred. Mm-hmm. Pretty good Alfred, too, by the way. 
a very great Alfred. Probably one of the greatest. Agreed. I mean, he's sitting there taking a, a big swig from his glass of whiskey as he's advising Master Wayne through a through a gambit. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the I mean, look at Guardians. Okay, you have Glenn Close and John C. Riley, two powerhouse actors. You never would have thought John C. Riley would be in something like that. I, I would. I, it was much easier to picture John C. Riley than it was Glenn Close. Because John C. Riley will do ridiculous shit. I mean, oh, look at all the true. movies he's in with Will Ferrell. But look, look at who you had in Guardians 2. You had Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And by well, the way, a cameo. Yeah. You have Sylvester Stallone. You had fucking Miley Cyrus, Michelle Yeoh, and... Uh, yeah. Uh, yo, that's right. What, what's his name? That. Uh, 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 Ving Rains, who's like oh, only Ving in Rames. good movies. I love Ving Rains, <laughs> whom I was introduced to in Mission Impossible. He was good in the original Mission Impossible. He uh, was the only good character in that whole movie, by the way. It was the only one that made sense. Because <laughs> Ving Rains fucking rocks, man. Yeah, well, the original Mission Impossible movie didn't make sense. You know, fight me for it, but... Um, hey, look, man. I mean, you, 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 Marvel will just... Because everybody wants to be in. They're huge. People are restarting their careers. Or, I mean... Yes, that's true. I mean, that's literally what Robert Downey Jr. did. Oh, it saved his career. Made him it, the, it, basically it, it the most bankable him. actor in America. Mm-hmm. By the way, he did do voice work for Avengers Campus at Disneyland. Very nice. Yeah. It, it's great. It's great to see that kind of um, stuff. Hey, Chris Evans with his fucking cameo and free guy. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what that was. Oh, shoot. I know. I mean, they did a lot of Marvel references near the end there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, what the? What he's the watching shit? the. Yeah. He's watching the phone. That's what that and, was. And, yeah. And that, that's what he gets <laughs> when he, he scrolls through and gets Captain America. And you hear the Avengers theme, and then he pulls the lightsaber. Yeah. Now, what they really whipped on is him wielding the lightsaber in one hand and Cap Shield in the other. Yeah, but that might have made some kids' head explode. I don't think that you could do that. I mean, they're both—they're all owned by the same company, including this movie. But <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying. But just anyway, saying. I mean, Marvel's been getting big pulls in in their movies forever. So, yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers has Ezra Miller and Amber Heard. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Will Smith too. Ah, oh, that hurts me. But yeah, it hurts me too because I was a yeah. fan. Yeah, well, All I right. grew up with Will Smith, but yeah, we, we, we I mean, we grew up with Will Smith. So of course, but, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. 
I'm going to throw one more out there. Okay. When you think about Hollywood legends from like the golden ages, greatest movies, actors, producers. Norma Desmond. When you start thinking of this, there's one name that almost always comes up. DeMille? No. I was close. Not bad. Not a bad point. Spielberg. He's great. Tons of sci-fi to his cred, though. <laughs> Ready Player One. E.T. You know what? Ready Player One was surprisingly good, and it doesn't get enough replay. It gets no replay, actually. No, Jurassic I think Park. It. Jurassic Park gets all the replay. Orson Welles. Oh, shoot. I was going to bring that up. He was in Orson the Transformers movie. The Muppet movie. Oh, what? <laughs> he was in the Transformers movie as Omicron. He was. That was his last role. That was his last Unicron. role. Unicron. Not Omicron. My God. You're right. And at times you could tell that his voice was kind of going. Oh, well, they could only get so much. Leonard Nimoy was in that movie. Leonard Nimoy was the original Galvatron. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, okay, so what was he in? He was in, uh, uh, Orson Welles was in what? Citizen Kane. I know that, but you were saying what other movie? He was in the or Muppet movie. Were you joking? Movie. He was in he the was Muppet the, movie? He was at the very end of the Muppet movie. He's the guy... The that, first he, Muppet movie. Yeah, he was the guy that who they broke into his office and basically begged them to... Uh, oh, my to, goodness. To, to give him a, a... He's the one who gives Kermit the Frog his rich and famous contract. Oh, my goodness. I've watched, like, the first half of that movie. And then it's I stopped hysterical. because... I know it's so good! It's so well done! It 1978. is. And the fucking, like, the Rainbow Connection was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, well, I sang that to my kids to get them to go to sleep when they were younger. That movie, they had so, so many um, people who had guest starred on The Muppet Show, who had hosted The Muppet Show, had come back, including screen legends like Milton Berle and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you get Mel Brooks, who wasn't on The Muppet Show, but he played the wacky German doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mel. We're never going to get a man like Ooh, him and again. And the, the, the main bad guy of that movie, Doc Hopper, the guy who's trying to get Kermit the Frog to be the sponsor of his frog leg. Yes, dead. that's right. He chases him down. That is Charles Durning. Who might be one of who might have been one of my all-time favorite character actors, who had been severely wounded with the Big Red One, the First Infantry Division in World War II, oh. and always used to re do readings at like the Memorial Day uh, concert uh, at the mall, mm -hmm. and was in one of the best episodes of NCIS. Damn. Was nominated for an uh, for an Emmy. 
for that role, I believe, as a guest actor. And okay. was, I believe, also nominated for Academy Award. I love this guy, Charles Durning. He, he's, he was a, such a fantastic character actor. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor uh, for the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, starring Bruce, <laughs> starring Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. <laughs> Where the song I Will Always Love You made its debut. Correct. He's buried in Arlington National Cemetery. He has a silver heart, a silver star, a bronze star, and a purple heart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's fantastic. And I gotta tell you, he might be in one of the most underrated Mel Brooks movies of all time. It was called To Be or Not to Be. And it was a comedy, a World War II era comedy, but it was not a spoof. Hmm. Ah, he was uh, earned nine Emmy Award, uh, nine earned nine Emmy nominations, received an Academy Award nomination for the Best of the Whorehouse in Texas. 1982, and To Be or Not to Be in 1983, which is a Mel Brooks movie, a movie where he starred with his uh, late wife. His, uh, his beautiful departed late wife, the, the great Anne Bancroft. You should look this movie up. It is fantastic. Okay. Mel Brooks, who also served in World War II. Well, yeah, everyone in that age did. Hmm. But, anyway, those are my polls. What do you think? Thoroughly satisfying, i got to say. When you think about it, when you get somebody like Orson Welles to narrate uh, a kid's movie that was mm-hmm. originally was de- based on a TV series that was designed to sell toys. That's yes. pretty, that is pretty, that's a big pull. Yes. Orson Welles, who also narrated, I believe, History of the World Part One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A man who had no problem poking fun at himself. And if you ever saw any of the reruns of those old Dean Martin celebrity roasts from the 70s, he he was a roaster. (laughs) If you go and watch that and they're like John Wayne's being roasted and they have like Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda and Orson Welles on your dais. I mean, when you go to roast fucking Charlie Sheen and you have <laughs> Mike Tyson and and uh, fucking one of the dudes from Jackass on the day. Yeah, it's it a like, different time. On. It's a different time. It also talks about the dilution of entertainment in our society. But 
you want to see what true entertainers were, all you have to do is go back and watch the Muppet show from the 70s and early 80s. And when they would start bringing in like George Burns, Milton Berle. Oh, yeah. And some of these actors and actresses and singers who were multi-talented, people who could sing and dance, some of these old Broadway and vaudeville actors. Who... The, the Love Boat did this. The Love Boat did this. You you probably haven't seen an episode. I saw one. Uh, I've but... seen some from time to time. They always had like some some celebrity guest star. But that's what they did. They brought these celebrity guest stars on, you know, a little past their prime and stuff. But they still brought it. Like, and they had their their song and dance moments and everything. And but you're uh-huh. right. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there was a a, a there was a, a a bottleneck to bring the talent through at that time. Well, <laughs> what, what you're looking at are true entertainers. Where yes. You're talking triple threats, sing, tell jokes, act, dance, even. Look at Work the audience. Oh, when you see somebody like Christopher Walken, who's like a classically trained dancer. <laughs> and who's a pretty damn good actor. And a great improv man. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, the why Continental. Robin, that's why Robin Williams was so, was so out there. Oh, I mean, he was. He would sing. He'd make things up. He would not saying he was a, a phenomenal singer. He was. He was gonna hold a tune. His. He's. He, are you? How? How dare you? He sang as the genie. He was very good. I'm. I'm just yes. saying. I mean, he was not a quote unquote. You know, he wasn't gonna put out an album, but he sang Figaro. He sang Figaro and Mrs. Doubtfire. How dare you? He was, he was opera style level. Well, the man was definitely a multi-talented man. Oh, yes. Absolute. Don't dismiss his singing talents, please. I wasn't trying to dismiss his singing talent. <laughs> By the way, I just watched a Netflix comedy special. They call it. Oh, the Hall. Netflix is a joke. The the hall. Where a bunch of comedians from today, yes, put in four of the greatest comedians of all time mm-hmm. to. I guess there is a comedy hall of fame, actually, in like New York or something. But the four who were put in were George Carlin, Richard Pryor, uh, Joan Rivers, and Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. John Stewart came out and well they had like Pete Davidson open. Okay. But then you have John Stewart come out and induct George Carlin. Yep. And you know talked about his how he actually got to become friends with George and talked a little bit about stuff and how George became this kind of counterculture hero and everything. Uh and then you saw a bunch of clips of him, and so damn funny. <laughs> you have John Mulaney come out, and he's introducing uh, Robin Williams. And yeah. John's funny, and he kind of talks about how 
while there's I've many comedians it. that fucked up, not the everything tortured, is. The tortured, the sad clown comedian. Yes. So, but uh, they had, uh, and Robin's daughter Zelda was in the audience too uh, for that. And then they show clips of Robin where he's just murdering. Uh, Stand I, I up, movies, that. TV. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Chelsea Handler inducted Joan Rivers. Um, Fitting. Not, Fitting. Yeah. And I didn't love Joan Rivers, but I, she was like the first big female comic. I, I appreciate Joan Rivers for what she did. Like, she was a yeah. businesswoman first and then a comic second. Well, I mean, she was guest hosting The Tonight Show for forever. She was on The Tonight Show. Yeah. I mean, she sh- I mean, technically, she should have been the heir apparent to Probably. The Tonight Show over Leno. Yeah. Um, Which she wasn't, unfortunately. And it, it should have gone that way, but it didn't. The crazy thing, too, is, like, she broke down so many barriers for the female comics of when we were growing up, the female comics of today. Yeah. And she, and yeah. she, she killed. Yeah. She killed. She, she turned the red carpet into a thing. Well, you got to speak to you got to speak to her intelligence quotient, you know? Oh, yeah, she was like, is, was she ball. more of a comedian or was she more of like a really smart business person that had the ability to do both? Like, because I mean, you could be a really good comedian, but if you don't have the discipline. No, I'd say she was both. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. Like, in fact, she probably. Oh, no, well, I'm not going to go down that. that I'll road, give but... you one. I'll, I'll give you one guess on who who was brought in to uh, induct Richard Pryor. Nope, not going to guess. Dave Chappelle. Would have guessed that. Yes. <laughs> Although, and and this is what goes <clears throat> back to some of us. Jeff Ross came out about halfway through. And they did, which is kind of ironic. They did an in memoriam, which is kind of ironic because all four people they inducted were already dead. Yeah. But they they gave a little tribute to Norm Macdonald, Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, the big would four. all died in like the last six to eight months. Like six months, yeah. Jeez, Louise. So, and he gave them some, you know, some pretty good tributes. And it was it was nice. It was a lot of fun. I laughed my ass off watching that. I I'll have to do that. Yeah, that'll be good. But folks, I think uh, I think we've kind of hit our limit. What do you think, man? No, I think this is very satisfying. This is before midnight. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think we we kind of made an interesting point. I mean, yeah. I, I looked at Sean Connery, but I'm like, if, even if you take out all the James Bond, he did The Highlander, he did Outland. He, he did. did what, what, what was that movie where he's dressed in like uh, a Borat suit? Yeah, there was one of those. <laughs> like, you know, oh, in the League <laughs> of Extraordinary boots. Gentlemen, he's, uh, he's, <clears throat> he's done some sci fi. Okay. He's, he has, yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's probably. 
it's it's probably uh, more fitting to say he's done more sci-fi than he did westerns, and he did at least yeah. two westerns. Yep, I think it would be. <laughs> so you get that. Plus, he was also in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, so oh, you got the fantasy well, was, there. It was a breakout role. Yep, and of course James Bond. Yeah, oh, well, that was before James Bond, Darby O'Gill. That was. Honestly, that was my first James Bond. Uh, I'm sorry, that was my first <laughs> Sean Connery movie that I had ever seen. Darby O'Gill. I think my Growing first up. might have actually been The Longest Day. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> but you know me. I do. Uh, you know, like I it, it, some of them, I was like, oh, yeah, this. Nope, this guy's been in quite a few. Never mind. It was like, there's a few you can't like Harrison Ford. Uh, oh, yeah, that whole Star Wars thing. Yep. <laughs> Cow- I was like, Harrison Ford did Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, but he was in Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah, he I mean, was the- literally the definition of sci-fi. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I forgot he was in sci-fi, but I'm like, well, outside of Han Solo, what else did he do? Cowboys and Aliens? Okay. Yeah, you can't even give that an honorable honorable mention, though. Like, No, it can't. You can't. I mean, and with but- the supernatural aspects of Indiana Jones, it's kind of hard, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. So. I think this is a great subject. I'm I'm entirely pleased with this. Good job, man. Well, I kind of thought we'd have some deeper, some more polls, but the ones I found, I'm I'm pretty pleased with, so. Well, it filled an episode, so. (laughs) It did. And uh, honestly, on that note, I hope you guys are all satisfied. And I don't know. Shall we bring it home? I think we shall. All right. Well, be sure to follow us on at those sci-fi guys on Twitter. Uh, reach us at those sci-fi guys doc, or those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. And on that note, I am P.S. McKay. Wishing you guys to keep dreaming. We're going to keep working. And you can actually download these uh, podcasts on iTunes, should you care to do so. Great listens for long car rides, especially when you're tempted to crash into the person ahead of you. I'm DT Catman, and I approve this message. We'll see you on high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSight Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.